0: If I, you can head out to your programs, Uh, it'd be great. Uh, Those who are behind, would you grab your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 12, please. Hebrews chapter 12. Hi, if I haven't uh, met you before, my name is Jeremy, Uh, I'm involved in the leadership around here, and uh, we're continuing our series in the first term here called Show and Tell, which is also what we're highlighting for the year, this goal that we have to um, be more courageous and active in the space of evangelism. Can you help me with these uh, famous opening lines of books? Here's one. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. Hobbit. (laughs) Are you from New Zealand? No. New Zealanders, come on. Hobbiton is 20 minutes up the road. (laughs) Well done, good work. Okay, what's the book? The Hobbit. By who? J.R.R. Ronald Tolkien. All right. Once there were four children named. Wow, there's a good, man, this row around the front here (laughs) is awesome. But they whispered it, so you didn't quite hear. Okay, I'll give you the first one. Um, uh, No, that's in a hole in the ground. Once there were four children named Peter. All right, thank you. What's the book? Lion, in the wardrobe. Who's the author? Okay. Next one. It was the best of times. It was the... <laughs> all right. Well done. Okay, we go to a book. When was that? In the 1800s. Maybe you guys are better with 1800s books. <laughs> Who's the author? Charles Dickens. Thank you. What's the, what's the book? Tale of Two Cities. Of two Cities. Here's a question. Is it the best of times now for the church or is it the worst of times now for the church? Isn't that an interesting question? (laughs) Because how you kind of answer that a little bit frames how you think about the church and how you talk about the church and a little bit what we do as far as how we um, uh, a- our activity involved in the church. And so I want to come to that in a, in a second, but I just want you to have that thought kind of in your mind about where you would frame it in terms of best of times or worst of times. I'm not saying for Christianity, I'm saying for church, the embodiment of Christian people who have trusted in Jesus Christ and c- have collectively come together around this table that we're saying represents Jesus Christ, has um, has. The bread and the juice that represents his body and his blood shed for us. What is it like for that? So we're in. Um, our passage is Hebrews 12. Let's let let's read it together. Um, just flick it forward there, Hannah. Thank you. So let's, let's read it and uh, consider. We'll recap from last week and then we'll consider one more stone that we're going to pull out of the bag um, to show what we're thinking about today. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart so here's what we're picking up the imagery that comes from this passage that we looked at last week and the, the first image is this is that there's these great crowd of people who have gone before us. It's like a stadium that we're running a race in. And it's, uh, when we look back in the chapter of four, it's all these great names of faith, and they persevered with faith and trust in God, despite sometimes not having prayers answered for many years in the face of much opposition. He's saying, look at the testimonies of these people who have gone before you and get encouragement from it. That God was at work and these people lived lives of faith. He said, because we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before all these ones here, and not only do we have their testimonies that they're they're kind of cheering us on and that say, run that race. Last week, if you weren't here, I put on some running shoes and borrowed my son's running shirt, right? Lucy was disappointed that I didn't do a lap around the around the building here, okay? But we 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 said here that there's a A race marked out for us. That those who are in Christ Jesus, called to a life of faith, have responded to it. There's there's a race set out for us, like a a track that we're meant to kind of run along. And it has a broader one in terms of this is the me following God and what God's call is is on my life. But it has to include being an ambassador, a representative for Jesus in the world around us has to include that so part of the race that i am called to run is to be an ambassador a representative of jesus christ to say this wonderful message about the person and work of the christ who has come and is coming again right so i have a race that i'm marked out to run but it says there there's two things that kind of Hold us back. The first one, or the second one in the list, but one of them is the sin that's so easily entangles. There can be sin in my life, and it tangles me up and trips me over, and I fall, and I can't run that race. I can't be a representative of Christ. It it trips me up in particular ways, and so I'm uh, unlikely. But there's a second one there. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders, or some of your versions may say, throw off everything that weighs us down. And the idea is that when I'm running a race, I don't want to carry an extra, an extra load. A couple of people from our church yesterday ran 50 kilometers in the Tarawera Ultramarathon. 50 kilometers. Imagine carrying an extra bag, I don't know how much is in here, maybe 10 kilos or something, of having that on your back while you're running along. And this is the picture He's saying there's there's a race that we're meant to run, and sin can tangle us up. We get that one, but he's also saying there's this everything else that hinders as you're as you're rolling along. So we looked at a couple of those last week. Can uh, Sophie, can you come up and take one of the rocks out of the the back of my backpack? And so we looked at two last week, and I just want to look at one more today. Can you get in there? In the bigger one. Anyone? Thank you. The first one they said that could weigh us down, and we looked at uh, feedback that you guys gave us from asking this question end of last year, is this idea of fear. I'm afraid of what people will think of me. I'm afraid of kind of losing reputation. I'm afraid of you know, just if I do it in my sort of workplace where it's not uh, not welcome, there's all these places where we can just we can be afraid. Some of them are are real, many of them are imagined, but there's this sense that fear can hold us back, and so we want to remove this one by gaining courage. We saw in the verses there that we gain courage by considering him who endured such opposition, that's Jesus, from sinners. If I consider what he went through, then I'll gain courage in that space. All right, can I get the second one, Sophie? Sorry. (laughs) Oh, you want me to choose someone else? All right. Okay. The second one we said was, this idea of feeling inadequate. I was reading a paper during the week and they had done a study and they said nine out of ten Christians come away from a spiritual conversation with a non Christian feeling disappointed. 90% of the time. <laughs> they go away and they, oh, I wish I'd said that or I need to know more kind of about that, right? And they said there's this feeling that we. We, we all can kind of share that we just don't feel like we're up to sort of the task. And if we don't feel like we're up to the task, we're, we're more reluctant. We don't want to start those conversations. They might ask something that I'm uncomfortable with, or I don't know the sort of the answer to, or how do I, how do I explain kind of the gospel? Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? There's this feeling, n- and we've just got to say, like, that's a common feeling. Well, we can't just go because it's common we, we leave it. So we want to get prepped, right? We want to look at it and explore what are the common things that people throw up about? What are some of the things that are more likely to be asked? And have a framework just to start with, have something. Don't be afraid either to go away and say, oh, let me go away and have a think about that one. Don't don't, don't be afraid to be able to say that. We feel like we have to have all the answers kind of like ready, ready to go. Sometimes you go, that's a great question. Can I just go away and have a think about it and we'll come back to you, right? Don't be afraid with those types of things. But there's a, a, a one that can sit in place there. All right, James, you have to come and get the third one. This is the third one that I want to explore today, and it's a... Eileen, thanks, James. <coughs> I'm not even quite sure what to call this rock, but, but maybe as I explain it, we'll come up with a word or a phrase or something, but I, I think it's actually a little bit different for sort of everybody. Jesus says this, he says, by this, everyone, I think he's got in mind the, the people who are outside the Christian community, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Now We know this verse. You can finish this verse. I didn't need to read that last line, right? We know this verse off by heart. But Jesus is saying it's a characteristic of your evangelism is your Christian community and how your Christian community operates and how your Christian community is seen. Because where do they see your love for one another? Where do they hear about it? Think about that for a moment because they're not all in the bleachers around here looking at us and going, hey, it's all going on kind of in here. Where do they hear about the church? Where do they see that? I tell you where a lot of it is, it's you. It's the way you talk about the church. It's the way you talk about your Christian brothers and sisters and the places and spaces you're in. And they are looking at that. And a lot of the time they want to drag you down. They're looking for the dirt and stuff with it. and, And we are great at often providing it. And I just, so there's something here, I just think, in this place of this weight that hinders it. I don't know if you noticed in Hebrews 12, it's not an individualistic test, it's not going, hey you, and by the way, let you, it says we, and let us. We're such an individualistic society that when we read anything, we read it through a personal individualistic lens. What am I meant to do? What is the thing that's called on kind of on me? And we, we it's a society kind of we live in, but it's also the generation of, of where we're kind of at with it. We read everything through in that way. And yet the Bible doesn't teach and think in that way. It's always thinking about this community of the way things operate. Let us do this together. Let us think about how this works. Let we do this kind of with it, right? Jesus in his... Um in the early on, in the Sermon on the Mount, where he's explaining all the things about how we should behave and how it should be different and what is kind of going on, it says this: "You are the light of the world." I know it says you in that sense, but I, 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 he's saying to the disciples, or this group of people here, he's saying it to a collective group, saying, "You're a you're a light, light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand." and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So one of the things I think that we're trying to get at in this is going, well, what is it in the way that I think about the church? And there's there's two, two, I guess, Ways that we can sort of look at it. We can look at it internally and go, "Well, there's frustrations in here, and there's things that aren't as they should be, and all that." I get that, right? I'm a church leader. You can come and share those things with me. I'll add a few more for you to go away and think about, right? We're not unaware of these things, but when we look out, there's something very important about the way that we think the way that we talk in our wider space. Roy Crown is uh, uh, a Christian leader in the UK, and uh, he was over here, Dave Mann brought him over here, and he came and spoke with our our local ministers here. And uh, he was talking about a number of outreaches that they'd done across churches and different cities and stuff around the UK. And he was doing a whole lot of reflections in it. But one of the things that, that stood out for me as he said it was, one of the principles that that underlined everything that they were doing in that space was he said, we do things in unity together. And why he was saying that is because we, uh, within here, we know all the nuances and differences and and things about how we can think differently kind of as Christians. That's a little internal huddle that we, we think, and they're not unimportant for us. He says, but when you go out there, They don't know the difference between Presbyterian and a Brethren and an Anglican and whatever. You're the church. And so he says, you've got to find some common ground in that sort of space around the gospel of Jesus Christ and your presentation about the way you did it. This is what he said. He said this, the purpose of oneness is for the unbeliever because secular people think we are all one. Secular people think we are all one. And so the challenge for us is when I when I speak, if I do speak and I encourage you to speak about your church experience with people around you, how do I describe it? How do I talk about it? I had a conversation with someone on, on Friday. Um he was, intru- was somebody uh, that that uh, it was somebody I knew, and they were one of their neighbors, and they said, oh, look, I think you guys would connect, and it would be really good if you sort of caught up. We share the same profession, but neither of us are working as veterinarians anymore. He said, oh, you bring that kind of together. So we, um, every second week, we have our community cafe here on Fridays, and so on Friday, I said, oh, look, we're going to catch up anyway. Why don't you come along to, to church? And uh, we just have, a, have one at the cafe. He's like, sure, come along here. And uh, he came in, we said it, we chatted for ages about all sorts of kind of stuff. But there was a few occasions where he just stopped and he's just like, oh, this is cool around here. And that day we had a, a cook-up going on in the kitchen, right? A whole lot of meals being made. A whole a whole lot of group came together, chopping up veggies and cooking their meat, and putting it together in a meal. So I could tell him about that that was going on. There's a play group going on there where... Church mums and, and non-church mums are coming together with their kids and, and playing and doing kind of activities together. And then there's a cafe going on, there's food rec- and he's just looking at it and going, ah. Oh. Because we get so used to church and all the activities and stuff that are going on with it, but for a lot of people, Christian community, they have no idea. I remember being in a shop in town, uh, a got me to pick something up, and uh, she knew the lady who ran the shop very well, but her husband happened to be in that day. And uh, I came in, and he said, "What are you, you know, what are you up to, to kind of today?" And we had a church event on that night, so I was explaining what that was. I've never met someone who knew so little about church. (laughs) Like in his mind, he had a picture of churches were about ten older people who were sort of gathered together, and it was a it was something that was dying away. And I was saying, "No, we have this event." and this number of people are probably going to come along and it'll be a mixture of ages and families. And, and he just he just had no concept of it. I said, it's great, man. That's <laughs> really cool. I've never seen him or spoken to him again, right? But I hope there was something that was just fed in there that shifted his little dial and then someone else, he'll meet another Christian somewhere and he'll just have a little bit of a different... Do You see why the us is important? I say something and somebody else says something and they pick that up kind of from something else. And so, uh, so I don't know what to name this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I hope you're getting what I'm talking about here. I think this hinders us if we're not careful about how we speak, about the church communities that we're part of. Because how we speak about our church communities ultimately reflects on how people think about Jesus. Because as much as we like to think about the church as sort of us, the church is Jesus' idea. It was his concept. I got a few questions for him as to why he would do that, <laughs> right? But he did. And then he says these crazy things like, You're the light of the world. Everyone will know about me if you love one another, that your followers are me. And so the challenge sits there with it. Where do they see you as light? And how do they do it? Russell Moore is the editor of Christianity Today and in an article that's called There's Never Been a Better Time to Be an Evangelical Christian, which is not your usual title that <laughs> you see about in articles about evangelical Christians today. But he just said this, In a time of justice-seeking without forgiveness, of self-actualization without new creation, people are longing for something many of them don't even know to call grace. And when they find it, they will be Amazed. I suggested uh, last week three elements to encourage you in the spaces that you're at. And I want to just highlight that first one again. Just talk more openly about God, your faith, and your church community. Not, not only... Uh, you know what I mean? Like just in general sort of conversation of stuff, of saying what you're kind of part of and what you sort of did and the good things that are going kind of on. Just speak of it in a, in a particular kind of way because you're creating an, uh, that gardening idea. Remember, we're creating a space of something that will going on that might be a fruit. A number of you came to me during the week and said, oh, that resonated last week. Th- there's someone or some group that I just like, man, they're on my heart and I, I'm looking for opportunity and nothing's kind of happening in that. And you just appreciated this idea that you're just praying for an opening for a spiritual conversation. Don't stop. Keep praying. You don't know how long it will take before that opens up, but you pray, you pray, you pray for that opening to come. And that last one is you prepare how to respond. So we talked about the last two this week, but, but prepare. Think about this week. How are you going to, if an opportunity comes up to talk about your church or your church community, how are you going to talk about it? What are you gonna say? What are you gonna say that might shift the dial for someone to think then them differently about church that ultimately make them think differently about the person of Jesus Christ? We're gonna roll into communion now. The segue into this is this is at the heart of this text. Is that if I'm gonna shift the dial on all of these things that to develop courage, to get prepped to speak well of Jesus' community, then I have to fix my eyes on Jesus. He's the one who wrote the faith that we have and he's the one who perfected it, the faith that we have. And it says for him that he was motivated by this joy, this imagination that he had in the future of all these people from all over the globe, these this created people that he had made who have returned to him and accepted and believed the work of Jesus Christ. And there's a joy that is, that is brought to him that enables him to endure. And we are meant to have that same idea of a joyous future that is promised there for us. There's two little two phrases there. That I just want to highlight as we run into communion that I want you to think about. The first one there says, "He did the cross, and then he sat down." That word, those two words there, "sat down," means this: that the work that Jesus Christ was doing is completed. When he's on the cross and he goes through all the agony and he gets to a point, he says, "It's." Is what? Finished. So the work that was necessary for our salvation was done by Jesus Christ on the cross. So yes, we live in hope for the future, but it's grounded in the reality of the past that Jesus Christ, my Savior, died the death that I could not die. He was there in my place for my sin, that I may be forgiven and free that's the promise that I have, that you have if you have trusted in Jesus Christ. And so we long for others to know about that. We long for others to come and receive that. That that work is done. He has sat down because he doesn't have to redo that work again. And then you see where he sits down? The right hand of the throne of God. This is the position of favor. It's kind of Daniel 9 where the Ancient of Days is on the throne and then one like a son of man comes, right? And is given uh, authority and glory and sovereignty, right? This is Jesus Christ. He sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's our Jesus. And when we put that in the equation of what is going on, It helps us to conquer fear and gain courage. Because I get courage from Jesus Christ, not rolled by the fear of man. I prep myself because I want to be useful for God's work. And I want to speak positively about his bride, the church. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you the author and perfecter of our faith, you were the one who wrote it the way that this rescue plan would go, that your son, Jesus Christ, would be the one who would be in our place for our sin, taking the punishment that we could not. Thank you that as we see this picture now, we see you, the son, sitting there at the right hand of you, the father. We're so moved by the fact that this work is done, that I have forgiveness and freedom because of that. Lord, now as we come and take the bread and the juice and are reminded once again of the cost of that, as well as the completeness of it, would you help us to be grateful and thankful, but would you stir something in us about how we can throw things off that are weighing us down? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.